Hello, 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 hello. When you were at school, did they do any kind of electrics? What would it be called? Electrical engineering? I, I don't even know what it's called. I don't remember that. I mean, I do remember that we had computer labs, but it was like early, early, early computer, like organ trail or something like that. <laughs> I don't remember an engineering class, I guess. I would have never gone This is to- terrible. I can't even remember, but I don't even think I looked <laughs> at like a circuit board. No. I don't even think I did even like rudimentary electronics. I remember chemistry more than I remember. Yeah, woodwork, I remember vividly. <laughs> um, I guess they thought we were going to be carpenters. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it was a Catholic school, so uh, you're well, following you in the footsteps. There you go. You know? <laughs> Wait, who was a carpenter? Who was a carpenter? Jesus was a carpenter, wasn't he? There That's right. Okay. For a gold, second, gold but Joseph was a fisherman. Was that? Joseph was a fisherman. Uh, if you, yeah, if you was say it? so. Yeah, yeah, okay. And there was someone else who got swallowed by a whale. I don't know. Jo- Jonah? Is that who it was? Noah? No, Pinocchio? Noah's... Pinocchio? Yeah, right? Yeah, Pinocchio <laughs> was swallowed by a whale, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Brendan Fraser swallowed him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Bringing it around. Bringing it back. Bringing movies. it back to movies. <laughs> um, you know what I was thinking? When did you get your first cell phone? I believe, I know it was a flip phone. It was probably like a, I don't know, like, like a Nokia or something like that. Oh, it was a flip? Your first was a flip? My first one was a flip phone and it was a hand-me-down. Oh, okay. All my early cell phones were hand-me-downs from my mom. When she got a new phone, she gave me her old phone oh, sort okay. of thing and just kept it on her plan or something like that. And that was, um, I had a couple different flip phones and then I got a, I got a Blackberry. Okay. So you did have a Blackberry. I did have a Blackberry. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was weird. It was like almost, I don't know. I don't want to say revolutionary or anything like that, but it was with the movie, like what they were talking about, that clicking, that typing with your thumb sort of thing. Because before that, if you had a flip phone, you had to... It was predictive texts. You had to like triple, like triple tap Oh, it was before like predictive that. text. Yeah. yeah so yeah, you'd yeah, have yeah. to do, I'm trying to think what, if it was like, yeah, if it's C, ABC, you'd go ABC, one, two, three yeah, on one, two, three, the A button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, to yeah. get to the C. Yeah. Which yeah. I actually use a device like that at work still that does that. I got really good at that too. Yeah. I, I actually <laughs> kind of enjoy it. Yeah. And then predictive text. So then you would go, the, the, it would be ABC on one button. And then, so you would go, if it was spelling D-O-G, dog, you would just do it and it would predict that you're doing dog because of that combination could only logically mean, that's pretty clever. I don't know how they do that, but for it to predict what you're going to type. Were Blackberry's predictive text? No, because it was a full keyboard, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a full keyboard, yeah. I don't remember a lot about it because I would only really use it for phone calls and texts. I didn't. At that time, I wasn't doing email or anything like that. It was I've never it was, really done email outside of work. I mean, I do email on my on the iPhone all the time. Do you, but when do you email people though outside of work? I, I would say I get I get emails. You know, like when you give your email address out, like sign app, up for online shopping yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah like that. Like I'll, I'll get emails for that. But I do it like if it's like I don't know, like an official document or something like that that I have to email. Some, yeah, you know. yeah, or a resume for a, yeah, for a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I was thinking because I don't, every time I go somewhere and they're like, oh, do you have an email with us? 
And I'm like, no. And they're like, do you want to sign up? And I'm like, no. Why would I give Dick's Sporting Goods <laughs> my email? And then if I do give them it, what am I going to get from them? Like just garbage? Yeah, you're you're advertised. You're getting advertised too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. They, figured, they figured it out. They figured everyone. I think out email's dead fast. outside of the work environment. I think email's dead. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well with the exception you're right. Yeah, of sending documents. But you I can mean, send those attachments and text. As far as like phones and stuff like that, like I don't use it on on any sort of regular basis. As far as e as far as emails, but like. For work, that's all I do. I email eight hours a day. I just yeah, email. I mean, I get, yeah, yeah. I, I troll through emails all day yeah. at work too. It's Bob Eric. How old were you? First cell, cell phone. Oh man, I probably, I'm, I'm going to say 29, 30. 29, 30. Because I do kind of remember where I was working in that and I could remember my age. I was probably like 28, 29, 30. In there. Yeah, I think I was in my 20s and it was a Nokia, a Nokia cell phone. And it wasn't a flip. Okay. Because I remember afterwards when, when the, I remember, remember in the Matrix where it was a Nokia phone that Neil uses, where he presses the button and, and the keyboard shoots yeah, yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember like an audible gasp in the cinema when that came out <laughs> because I think when they sold that phone, it was really expensive. Yeah. First, first one was like, what? drug dealers nowadays use like straight up burner phone yeah. you know that's what <laughs> yeah. my first it had snake on yeah you know you could play snake on on the little screen oh yeah, yeah, like yeah. A little mini game yeah that was mine and i think it was a like a pay-as-you-go phone okay so you pay it per minute it's like you put five dollars on and you get like 50 text messages or however it would work yeah and i would mainly only text with it yeah because i had a landline at home or I like to use payphone. I you, I love payphones. That's like a big thing for me. Payphones, dinosaur. But I just like the experience of it. I used to I used to date this girl years ago, and well, you just you know what it's like though. You would make plans with. I so I would say to the guys, oh, I'll meet you downtown for a drink. Yeah, we'll go to the bar, and then I get downtown. And if you said you were going to be there at eight o'clock to go for a drink, you had to be there at eight o'clock because I had no way of contact. You could, I couldn't contact you and say, where are you? You know what I mean? <laughs> so and the only way I could was to get on a payphone and then to call your landline home address. But if yeah. you're out running late. Or driving. Or, or driving. Yeah, yeah. How would I know? Like if you sit on a bus somewhere, how would I know? Exactly. So I miss those days because you had to show up. Yeah. You or couldn't not. just or back <laughs> out of things as easy as you did. No, but like, I think if, if you made plans, you knew the other person was going nowadays it's text message and you just be like, Oh, I'm not feeling it. And it, but it's no confrontation because you don't have to actually speak to the person. It's so strange to think about that. We came from the dark ages, <laughs> but, and I don't feel old though. And I'm not yeah, old. Yeah. I feel old when we talk about stuff like this. Yeah. Because that was the thing. And that's why I love payphones. So I, anyway, to, to go back to what I was saying, I was dating this girl and I used to go to the bar and get drunk. And then she still lived with her parents and I would want to go over and see her, but I couldn't call. She had a telephone line in her bedroom yeah, and I couldn't call from where I was. So I, I, she had a payphone outside of her house, oh, like outside okay. of her house. Cause in England, I mean, probably the same here, there's payphones on street corners everywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there wasn't where I kind of grew up. There wasn't like a, it wasn't like, um, like city. Right. 
but it wasn't rural or anything like that. It was very suburby. Yeah. So you had to like, oh, in the suburbs, yeah, you yeah, you had to many. like go down to like say a Seven Eleven or strip or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah or something strip, like that. And they, there would be like one set that up makes there sense. Sort, sort of thing. It's funny because there was one payphone right outside of a house. There's a payphone directly outside of my parents' house too. So where I grew up, so my parents would have your your front drive, the car park, like the my my dad park his car, and then right in front of our house is a payphone. Oh, okay. So if I was in trouble with my parents, I needed a bit of phone call. I had to go and use the payphone <laughs> to make a phone call. Or sometimes I would, and the payphones all had their own individual numbers. So you could tell people, call me on this number. And they would call that payphone. You had to wait outside to get that call. Yeah. And what I would do is, if I knew I was going to be talking for a long time on the phone, my mother wouldn't want me taking up the phone line. So I'd have to get friends to call that payphone. Yeah. And I'd walk across the street and just take my calls out in that way. <laughs> Which I, I did plenty of. And it's funny because payphones, the the booths, it would have a door on it. Yeah. Uh, British Telecom, the old British Telecom, they would stink a pee. Especially if you're in the city. In the, yeah. the, in the city, because everyone's just sleeping in there, like trying to stay warm. <laughs> but anyway, I, I vividly remember I'd show up outside her house and call and be like, hey, do you want to come and let me in? And some nights I'd call and she wouldn't answer if she was already asleep or whatever was was going on. And I remember standing in that payphone, freezing my ass off, sometimes <laughs> for like an hour. <laughs> How old were you? I don't know. I must have been, I was probably like 17, 18 oh, okay. back then. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of weird, weird, vivid memories about payphones. Yeah. Like really... And I don't know why I love them. The cell phone, yeah, I, I probably got when I was in my 20s. It was for texting only, pretty much. And it was texting and playing Snake. But it was weird, though, because obviously the first cell phones we got didn't have the internet on. No, no. At least I don't. No, it definitely didn't. Yeah. It definitely didn't. Yeah, it was just, yeah, it was just for calling. I <laughs> never got a cell phone with the internet on until I got an iPhone. Email and all of the rest of it. Yeah. I got the first iPhone when it came out. Was it 2007, 2008? I got that one. But that was the first time I had a, a, any phone that did anything outside of. Yeah, you, yeah, you're right. I'm trying to think back to older phones that I had. And yeah, the BlackBerry, it just did text, email, and phone. Yeah, but I was not trying an to internet think, did it, browser did it do, or anything. Yeah, it wasn't, no, it wasn't an internet do. browser or anything like that. Yeah, you're right. Because I did get like, a, I didn't get the first generation iPhone or something like that. But I... I, w- I remember this. I, I did have a BlackBerry and I was at work and then a friend at work came in with the new iPhone, like just got it like brand new. And I was like, oh, that's one of those, that's one of those iPhones. And it was, you know, it's, it was tiny, it was small, like a smaller one. And I was like, can I, can I see it real quick? And he's like, oh yeah, sure. And he handed it to me. It was so heavy. Oh yeah, reassuringly I, I, heavy. I yeah. remember how heavy it was. It was like it was like a piece of steel, you know. And then he showed he kind of showed different things. I was like, that's that's incredible. I mean, it was incredible <laughs> yeah. when you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I and I thought to myself, what would I do with this? There's too much there that I wouldn't even know what to do with at all. I like the idea that it was an iPod. That was a, that was because it. I was a big iPod guy. Yeah. I think I got a iPod Shuffle before I even got an iPhone. I just, I just wanted, like, I was jealous of people who had the the jog uh, wheel. 
what was it called? A jog wheel. Yeah. So the, the, the older style iPhones where you'd circle, circumnavigate through your files. That was just a... Um, and like a counterclockwork or what, clockwise what were they called? Fashion. What were they called? It wasn't an iPhone. It was a... iPod. iPod? iPod. Yeah. Yeah. yeah iPod. Yeah. yeah. But iPod. like there was, yeah, there yeah, was yeah. The, the, that was like the, I don't know if the jog wheel was on the first iPod, but yeah, they kind of refined that design. Yeah. And then that was the, the, the iPod to have for a while. And then the iPod Nano, which was like the smaller size. I had one of those. I had one of those yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. Which is actually a wonderful piece of equipment. We really think about will. it because tiny, weighed nothing, sits yeah. in your pocket, super so, low profile. So much pirated music on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was on like, well, like LimeWire and SoulSeek. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so much pirated music. <laughs> oh, man. Honestly, truthfully, I think, and I haven't shared this on. So I pretty much the only reason this podcast even exists is because of music file sharing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To take yeah. it that back that far. So basically what happened was, uh, it was back when I worked at Blockbuster and I had my Blockbuster. I would come home from Blockbuster. I usually stay up all night watching movies. And if I didn't, I stayed up all night downloading shit. Oh yeah. Relentlessly. Like music specifically. Because uh, movies weren't there yet. You know, like the whole piracy of movies thing. Because it was a bigger file size and it would take forever. Like I didn't even attempt to download a movie, but I would obviously get a get an MP3 album, and I was on Soulseek. Yes, it was Soulseek. Was the program that I was I never used on then. that. I was on Napster, LimeWire. Yeah, totally. Well, Soulseek like was pretty yeah. good because Soulseek you would go. It was like a peer to peer, so you would actually go on somebody's hard drive. So you would go on what they would share, and they'd have a shared folder, and you would just browse the shared folder, and then take what you want, and then they could cut you off after a certain amount of time. Or they could go, hey, I see you're getting something. Have you got anything for me? And you would like, and you'd open up a dialogue with them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and one night I came across some guy who had some really cool music. And then I was downloading. And he was like, hey, because you could see who was downloading from you. And then he was like, oh, hey, man, uh, what, are you, what are you downloading? And, and we started talking about music. And then it was kind of like a, it was kind of like a, a meet, meet cute kind of situation where <laughs> we would talk constant yeah like yeah. we would talk all day every day all night every like and he was over here in america and i was back home and i was obviously a musician at the time starting out with my band way back in the day and we would so we start talk about bands that we like so we'd be sharing music and and he would go through and be like you want to want to check this band out you want to check this band out and we just became really really good friends like really fast friends he played in a band i played in a band and I, I offered him, I was like, well, if you guys want to play over here, I'll set up shows for you. Sure. So I set up a little mini tour for them to come across. And he flew with his band and most of his equipment that he could get away with, because obviously we didn't have work visas back yeah. then, into England to go on a tour that I booked for him, <laughs> which wasn't really a tour at the time. It was like two cities and it was just people's venues that I knew, you know what I mean? Yeah, to get them shows. Yeah. With somebody he only met over... A music file sharing thing. He had no idea. I could have been anybody. I could have. It could have been like a, a total cat, catfish situation. <laughs> this, these are. This was the the innocent days of the internet. It was the innocent yeah. days, and it. And then he took. And then what happened was he came over him and his band, and then we played shows together, and it was super fun, and like got on like a house on fire. Then after the the last show, they had some time free, and he was like, "We're going to go to. We're going to go to Paris and hang out in Paris." And I just went with them. And then I just spent weeks in Paris with them, hanging out in Paris. And I just, I think I quit my job. And I just hung out and I was like, I'll get another job when I come back. I don't give a shit. And then 
we became fast friends. And then when my band got signed, had our tour booked for us and they opened for us. They didn't open, we played shows together and they went on tour. So my first tour in America was those guys uh, and us together. And then it was back and forth, back and forth. And then ultimately, that's the reason that I'm here. I mean, this is like 15, 16 years ago or whatever, but one thing led to another and that's how I ended up living in America. So therefore, <laughs> Soul Seek is brought you to America. The reason, dear listener, that you're listening to Movies Last Night. Hello, welcome to Movies Last Night. This is a new episode. <laughs> the reason you'll even listen to this is because of Soul Seek, that specific program, not LimeWire, Soul yeah. Seek. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. That that's crazy. I mean, that technology like basically brought you across an ocean. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> There's something really fascinating about that. And when we we're gonna be talking about the movie Blackberry from 2023 today, before we even start talking about the movie, because we're still in our preamble. But <laughs> it's what I think is really interesting is so the movie opens and it's a video footage of I don't know who it is. I don't either now. And I we did no research. So Eric's already saw this movie in theaters. Yes. Correct. Yeah. I just showed up at Eric's house and we just watched the movie. First time for me. And immediately after the movie finished, we're recording, yep. is, which is kind of a new thing that we're doing now, uh, movies last night. So uh, this is the first time I've seen it. So I haven't had time to do any notes or look up anything and check, but I don't know who the guy is, but the quote, it's, it's basically him expressing what would happen if you could combine the internet with the telephone service an idea and yeah. an idea like this is potentially what would happen and it would make cities redundant yeah i think i think it was along about, those lines yeah i think it was also about it, it would change how we work and how we communicate yeah and, and it would like shrink that. the world yeah i exactly. think that's what he says when exactly. it shrink the world which is true and then also not true because it actually it opened the world i think more I, oh, this, yeah, it did. So, I mean, the internet shrunk the world in a way, but you're yeah. right though, it did open the world. Yeah. And it opened it because if you think about it, say for example, this is a really weird, like, I don't, probably not the best example to use, but as an example, if you were a teenager growing up in, I don't know, let's say rural America, you were homosexual. And so you started to have feelings for the same sex, what have you. You felt very ostracized. You, this probably still happens today in 2023, which is what's fucking crazy. You don't exist. You don't, you don't have like a peer group or a friend group because you feel very isolated and alone. The internet, if you were to get on message boards and start opening it up, and this is early internet even, yeah, yeah, yeah. and not can imagine what it does now, but all of a sudden, it has shrank the world, but it's really opened the world because all of a sudden you're like, oh, there's so many people who are just like me. Yeah. Sharing yeah. experiences, sharing ideas and helping each other get through it. And and I'm not alone. Yeah. So whilst it shrank the world, it also, yeah, it opened up the world to everybody, which is that's a really cool way to look yeah. at it. It yeah, it's it's that's really cool. The thing that I I like about it or gravitate towards like technology and stuff like that in the beginning at least it was always similar to you it was always based on music yeah i never yeah. thought that i would use it for anything other than Porn. trying to f yeah <laughs> there you go anything, well that's I mean, why let's everyone, be honest though that's why we, everyone uses it <laughs> i mean the what didn't it wasn't um home video essentially exists because of pornography yeah 
DVDs they're, and they're everything, inter- you know? They're, yeah. they're innovators of technology. Yes, they are. Yeah, 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 they're, yeah. They're the first. Yeah, but everything, every leap in technology that I was interested in earlier on was all based on music. Yeah, Because I never me thought too. that I would use it for anything other than looking for that, a band that was similar to something else that, that I was, you liked. It, mm-hmm. That was like, that was the reason I got on MySpace. Yep, same. Facebook, Twitter, anything. Was it, it, it was music. all about, I like this band, where, where can I kind of cross-pollinate in there? And it was never anything really beyond that. And then um, flash forward now, then it's just like it it runs your life pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> totally. You, you're like a drone now. <laughs> it, same though, same. It was music. It was music sharing programs. And then I remember, so we never had the internet at home. Until way after I'd gone to college, yeah, I don't think I, didn't I don't think we until, have it. Yeah, yeah, I didn't have it until I was in like one of my apartments. Yeah, yeah. I think first time I had it into that was when I lived by myself, uh, briefly, whatever I did, and then I I would go to internet cafes a lot or the library to use the internet. And I it, another dating story actually. I was dating another girl who. Her parents, we'd visit her parents. Her parents lived like, I don't know, somewhere in the country and we'd visit, I, she had her own place, but we'd visit her parents and they had dial-up internet, like America Online mm-hmm. with the, with the yeah. disc. Yeah. And I remember we would stay over at her parents' house at weekends and then drive back. And I remember going online and she would, she would show me, she showed me eBay for the first time ebay and i lost my fool fucking mind for ebay (laughs) so basically when we go over weekends all i wanted to do was go on ebay yeah to look at stuff on ebay because all of a sudden i was like oh i can buy all of this shit yeah there's all of this stuff all like cds i could get used cds from from bands that i like or i can get deals i could get t-shirts i could so yeah again music i was just i wanted to that was it yeah yeah i mean or like early early days i would I would have to take my chances with catalogs. If you think like fanzines or something like that, they used to put out these music pamphlets mm-hmm. and you just happened to find them or a friend of a friend had one and it was someplace in LA would basically they burn CDs and but they also had like a t-shirt uh, business and stuff like that and you would just fill out your little your little pamphlet and like order form what you wanted and you would send uh you would send like a, a money order you'd send it send it off and it would be like i hope i get it <laughs> <laughs> yeah because you have no idea what yeah you have no idea but yeah but, but when with ebay like early ebay it was like oh i could just click this button and it's guaranteed i'm gonna get it yeah 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 it was wild yeah <laughs> I, I and to this day ebay is still my favorite place on the internet I still love eBay. I don't really buy a lot of stuff from eBay, but I, I could I could spend hours and hours looking at eBay to this day. I just think it's fun. <laughs> you know, especially somebody who likes to thrift so much. Yeah. It's just like going thrifting without thrifting. Now, obviously the prices are ridiculous now, but they never used to be. They used to be oh, pretty. No, Before no, people no. realized they could make a career off eBay, eBay, you could get some deals on eBay. Like some create, especially with bidding. Before the, I think it was, this is before it even had buy it now, I think, on eBay. I, I think that might have came later, but you would just bid on stuff. And you would, you could get really cool stuff. If nobody was bidding on it, you'd get it for next to nothing. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> Very cool. But yeah, cell phones, I don't know. I don't know. I think because of, obviously, because of our age group, 
on having spent, I would say like the golden period of my youth, which yeah. would be like, well, like 16 to 21, 22 or whatever. Yeah. Where I was, you know, discovering bars, girls, yeah. women, like women or whatever, you know, music and in art and hanging out with my friends and college and you know, my whole horizons were expanding. It did it all without a cell phone. That's what I was going to say. Isn't it weird to think that you did, you lived your life before all of this? I, I mean, I vaguely, or not vaguely, I'm sorry. I rarely remember calling people in high school. Like I would just go to high school and I would go home and then I wouldn't, I didn't have a reason to talk on the phone. It was yeah, weird. There was no reason. Yeah. I would make plans with them at school. I would make plans with friends at school and then we would just meet up at this place or like we, we do it like on the weekend or something like that. And I, there was no reason for me to call anyone. <laughs> so, but now it's like, it's like I have this thing. I'm always, you know, you're always on it now. If I'm never texting, off the bloody thing. Yeah. yeah. If you're texting. And more than like you're texting or just um, doom scrolling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> totally. I think though we're lucky because I think if you was a, a generation older than us, I think those are the people who have really struggled with the assimilation to the internet. So hence QAnon and <laughs> and all of this all of this shit that popped off in uh, 2020. And I heard something. I I don't know if I heard it. I read it, but it's really interesting where they were like the reason why a lot of this hate speech and in conspiracy theories and all of this stuff spread is because there's a demographic of age of people who can't never had the internet now have the internet and can't control themselves with it so they can't see reason with it and they they it's almost like they believe everything they say on it yeah whereas i think where the generation just after that where it was it hit us right in the middle so we're a bit more adapted it dissemi uh, disseminating or whatever what it is, what this thing is, and I think we're more skeptical of it slightly. And then the generations after us, like the millennials, and God help them, the kids nowadays, um, <laughs> but they know what to use it for. They, exactly, yeah. they grew up with this, so they they completely understand what it is and can use it more responsibly than the boomers can. You know, to use it. Well, that's to bring it back to the to the movie, which we haven't really started talking about. But it's interesting because you're getting that that weird cross pollination of generations because they don't. It's early days, so they don't understand what it is and how to use it. At least according to the movie, I'm sure in real life they had a very. There were people who had a strong grasp of what it is, what it could do, and and how it could change things, but. From like a layman's, just a regular like civilian's point of view, there would there would it would be difficult to kind of have an idea of the possibilities of what it what this could lead to exactly, and what it yeah. ultimately did yeah. lead to. Yeah. No, you're right, and I think that's because if say for example, it's the first time you get a. I never owned a BlackBerry, so but I heard of them. I remember being extremely popular. Yeah, I did have a pager briefly. I never had a pager. Oh, I love pages. <laughs> I did have a pager briefly. For like three months. I You're think. so sketchy. I know, right? <laughs> well, it's funny because the only other people I knew had pages with drug dealers. Like literally doctors and drug dealers. Yeah. I think the, the only two people who needed pages. Why was I going with this? I think when the people who, when BlackBerry was really took off, if you were in a position where for your job you used email, so people who are office workers, bankers, what have you. It was a business phone. It's a business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think for 
people who use a cell phone for business, then it makes perfect sense to them to like compartmentalize and, and use it as a tool because it was a tool. But if you didn't, like most people, like a lot some, of, yeah, yeah. Well, the first grocery store I ever worked in, we didn't use emails. You know, they maybe they maybe did it like store leadership level, but not in like on in the trenches. <laughs> so when you would get a BlackBerry, it wouldn't it. It's almost like it, it's not really for you. Yeah, you know, other than it being a status symbol, but really, what it was for is for business. I imagine that's what it was for. I mean, mine was once again, mine was a hand me down that it was just a way to communicate because I, I don't, I don't think at least I had a landline at that time. So I was like, oh, it's cool. I could just carry it around and I'll always have a phone if I need a phone. But it, it was never as if I leave home without this. Oh, I'm, I can't, I can't I even can't get my function. car. Yeah. yeah, you can't. But in those days, it was like, if I forget it, it's like, oh, well, it's just a phone. I, I don't need to. It's not like I could call someone to, if my car broke down. Because well, how would you know what the number is? Exactly. How, yeah, you don't, you don't have that. Unless you had it saved in your contacts, but the yeah. only, you would have to be pretty smart to do all that shit because <laughs> to, to I didn't. think ahead, yeah. Yeah, I would just have my mates yeah, and, yeah. and whoever I was dating and, uh, you know, <laughs> and my parents, unfortunately, if I had to like reach them. But it's true though. Yeah, that, like nowadays, there's been times where I've run out to get something and I knew I left my phone in, in the house. And I was like, well, I'm just going around the block. It's fine. But the drive, I'm white knuckling it because I'm like, what if I get in an accident? I don't yeah. have any my insurance card because yeah. it's saved to my phone. Exactly. I do not have, what am I going to do? Who, who am I, like if I get into an accident or my car breaks down. I pay for most things with this phone. You just like tap your yeah, phone tap up, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which yeah. I started using about a year ago and yeah. I felt like really <laughs> advanced because I, and everybody else is just totally doing it. <laughs> I would literally have a panic attack because I'm fine with being at work. I'm fine, say, hanging out with you. I don't need a cell phone. I'm not using it right now. Totally don't need it. Usually I leave my phone on airplane mode a lot because I just don't even want to deal with it. But driving, absolutely not. I will not drive anywhere without a cell without phone. Without a cell phone. <laughs> it, yeah, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I pay all my bills with my cell phone. I haven't been in a bank in years. I haven't been in a bank in forever. I mean, I haven't used cash. In years, I've I stopped using cash way before the pandemic. Uh, I can't remember the last time I even carried cash, unless some, unless unless somebody gives me money if they owe me money and they'll give me it in cash. And I'm like, what am I going to do with it? <laughs> you know, and you end up you end up just using it because you don't want to go to the bank to put in a deposit. It, so you end up just using the cash up. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that weird? It's so strange. It's so strange. Yeah. I mean, they didn't cover a lot of that in the in in the movie, but. I love how you it, keep it, trying to pull it back to the movie. Well, no, 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 it's not that. It's, it's like when I'm watching it, I'm thinking, oh, they don't know what's coming sort mm -mm. of thing. They have no idea. The ramifications yeah. of what they've created. Yeah, exactly. With, with the characters, they're like, they're thinking, oh, it's just, it's just an email device and a phone. And the texting part of it is like something that people are doing at the moment that are just really kind of early discovering but there's no there's no hint what they're doing is basically revolutionizing society in a way for better and for worse and yeah well i think that's because this is a bit of a sweeping generalization but tech people like that sometimes are incapable of seeing things in the abstract so when they were getting excited about developing this technology and it was about figuring out how they can make it work you become obsessed with what you're creating and how you make it work rather than what it actually is that you're creating 
in the abstract, in the broader scope of things. Because it, it was, yeah, it's very much like nerding out and how, how can we fix this problem? And I think the, the theme of fixing a problem runs throughout the movie too, because before we start bringing any spoilers, isn't this like I'm trying to avoid spoilers, but there's a scene earlier on when presented with a faulty piece of equipment, it becomes about fixing that thing at all costs. Everything else gets sidetracked because it's the challenge. It's the challenge. It's like, can I figure out how to, to fix this or make this better or improve it? And then it ends very cleverly with the same thing. <laughs> with the same, yeah. Dilemma. But on a, a dilemma. Yeah, yeah, the same dilemma. Because, yeah, that's really, I, and it's not that, it's not super revolutionary, but it's a nice, and I think, but it also really sums up the mentality of these people who, uh, specifically these, sci- well, I don't know if you call them scientists, but like. I think most of they were like engineers. Engineers, correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Engineers. How, that's how their brain is working, you know? It's like, I have this Rubik's cube in front of me and I'm going to sit here until I figure out how to fix Yeah, it, it's fix like, this. it's elite problem solving. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which is something I don't have like, as a person. Which is weird because you, you, you are really into technology or like, rec- like recording stuff. Like well, you, yeah. You have, you, have a, you have a knowledge of how to record and make things better. I mean, you can go back and listen to episodes one through 10 probably oh, and, yeah. and see and see how it ride. jumps, you yeah. know, because you invested the time of like trying to figure stuff out on an audio side. So, so you have, you have that. Yeah. But in terms of, do I know how any of the, this works like on a physical <laughs> level? Yeah. I know, I think it's more about the end result for me. So it's about the creative aspect of you it. You know how to manipulate creation. It. Yeah, for sure. How can I manipulate something to create something that I want artistically? But in terms of the the brass taxes of the the nuts and bolts of things, no, I, you know, no idea at all. Never have. But <laughs> for pretty much anything, I, it's kind of scary if you think about it. How much stuff that we use, I have no idea. It might it might as well be magic inside of a box because <laughs> I have no idea how it works. It might it might be. I mean, my, mine even goes a step further back where I'm more, I'll like write something or draw something. So I'm like paper and pencil sort of thing. So, because I can understand that, right. Or I can understand the, the creative aspect of that where technology or something like this, I understand how to use it, but I really, I don't think I can get in depth. Like I'm always, I'm always fascinated with, with musicians who can look at like a soundboard or something like that and and they know how to tweak it in such a way to get the sound that they want i wouldn't even have a clue where to start with something like that but that's the fun of that stuff though because it's trial and error i mean you can teach that you could like you could go to school and they could be like this knob does this and the reason why it does this and this is the frequency that it you can literally just stop making shit and twisting knobs yeah. and be like, how can I figure <laughs> out how to do that? Which I, I, I should imagine a lot of, I watched this really cool thing and it was for, there's a, you know, Moog, like we call them Moogs. I think in America you might call them Moogs. Yeah, it's yeah, M-O-O-G, yeah. like the synthesizers, the mm-hmm. analog synthesizers. Is there a documentary on them? Yeah, there is. Yeah. The guy who created it. But, and, and it was like, it's just like a wall of wires that they plug into different things to make these sounds and they send the sound through it. I watched this really cool it was like a mini documentary and it's sponsored by them, but it was Trent Reznor because he was using, he was talking about the first ones that he owned and how he'd figure out. Always imagine Trent Reznor. I, I don't know exactly if he was trained 
But I always imagine Trent Reznor as being somebody being like, I just want to move this and plug plug this in and see what it does. That kind of experimentation, you know, which I think I, is really I cool. I think he, uh, I think he worked in a studio. I think he's maybe piano trained. I think so. Yeah, because he does play piano, and I think he lived in a studio and he would work late at night. Like he would be there maybe working for them, but then he would do his like own a stuff, night like, engineer or whatever. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's fun. You know, all of that stuff's super fun. So Blackberry 2023. Okay. I don't really know where to start with it. <laughs> I kind of want to talk about the casting first and we'll talk about the director and we'll look up and see what the director's done. It's nice to see Jay Baruchel yeah. in something, in yeah. something, because I can't really, I always really like him. And I think he's been he's in a, a ton of stuff. Yeah. Great screen presence. Now, yeah. did he, was he in like Canadian television? I would um, imagine. I think, got- I think this is, I think everyone in this cast is very much, it's very much a Canadian production. Here we go. So Jay Baruchel, um, born Jonathan Adam Saunders Baruchel. Oof, that's a long name. Born April 9th, 1982. So a little bit younger than me. He's a Canadian actor, comedian, director, and screenwriter. He is known for his voice role as Hiccup Haddock in How to Train Your Dragon franchise. Okay, which I have, I think I've seen the first one, maybe he's. Yeah, like I the animated thing for kids that yeah. everybody likes. I have a huge blind spot when it comes to like early CGI animated movies because yeah, I didn't yeah, watch them. I think I saw same. Shrek and I was like, this is trash. And then I just didn't really... <laughs> it just didn't appeal to me. Yeah. yeah. We were the wrong age when that shit popped off. Yeah, if I was a kid, yeah. maybe I didn't grow up with it. But like, I was like, I don't give a shit about this. Exactly. When, you know, Toy yeah. Story and stuff like that when it came up. <laughs> I'm trying to watch Goodfellas over here. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm trying to be cool. Um, let's have a look. And for his roles in comedy movies such as Knocked Up, which is the... Um, Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen, but also the producer of all those movies. You know, he did like Knocked Up, 40-Year-Old Jud- Virgin. Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow. Yeah. yeah, so he's from that Jud- Judd Apatow family, yep. I think. Let's have a look. Uh, Tropic Thunder. Yes, he's very good at Tropic Thunder. Fanboys, which I haven't seen. She's out of my league, which I have seen. Goon, the ice hockey movie, which is really good. Yep, with uh, Sean M- William from American Pie. Scott? Yes, great, great movie. Yeah. Very good. There's a sequel actually to that. Oh, is it? I haven't seen the sequel. Uh, the Sorcerer's Apprentice with Nicolas Cage. Do you remember that? <laughs> I, I didn't see that one. No. Terrible movie. Um, let's have a look. He had lead role, roles as Stephen Cop and Judd Apatow's comedy series Undeclared, which I I haven't seen that. And I do remember watching that. I really liked it. I oh, do really? remember watching that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was only only right, lasted a year. Yeah. Yeah, there was only like one season or something like that. And then he played a character called Josh Greenberg in the FX comedy series Man Seeking Woman from 2015 to 2017. So filmography, let's have a look through. So 1999, he started first movie appearance. So in 1999, if he was born 82, 8, 9, this is going to be terrible, 17. So not a kind of a kid. Yeah. Late teens. He has a bit part in Almost Famous, a bit part yep. in Rules yep. of Attraction. I remember him in Almost Famous, yep. Million Dollar Baby. And then we then by the time we hit 2006, we get into the Knocked Up, the Judd Apatow stuff, uh, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, which I've never seen and Mm-mm. I don't think I'll ever watch. <laughs> it looks terrible. Um, then a lot of like mid-tier comedy movies, nothing particularly great. Goon, uh, Cosmopolis he's in. Isn't that the... Pattinson? You with the Cronenberg movie? Yeah, I didn't see I that. I haven't one. seen that either. Uh, this is the end, which is pretty 
terrible. It's the one where it's yeah, Seth Rogen yeah. and all of them. All of them. All yeah, of them. Yeah. Jonah Hill, the whole gang. Yeah, the sequel to Goon's called Goon, Last of the Enforcers. Kindness of Strangers, Random Acts of Violence, 2019. Blackberry 2023, so he hasn't done anything since before the pandemic. And I, I like him a lot. Really like him. Uh, yeah, I like his... Because um, I, I think he... Out of the three kind of kind of POV characters, he's supposed to be our kind of conduit into it. And he, he plays this real subtle character because he has to. I don't think his presence can't be as huge as with Glenn Howerton. Yes. Yeah, we'll talk about him next. Glenn Howerton is a beast in this movie. I, I, I'll say this off the top. If he doesn't get an Oscar was, nod for yeah, this, I think he should get nommed for this too. I honestly do. That's why I was going to say as soon as I, we didn't talk about the movie directly afterwards because we're saving it for the podcast. Yeah. The whole time I'm watching, I'm like, he should get an Oscar nomination for this. Yeah. He's so vicious. He's so the, the kind of the, the whole thing in the beginning is like, he's a shark. The idea of he's a predator, he's like this alpha predator sort of person. And to look at him, or at least how he's portraying that, you, you, if you were to look at him, you're like, he's just this kind of scrawny, balding guy. There's nothing intimidating. But when he starts talking or, or his, when he starts kind of putting his presence out there, he's just like, he fills the screen. Even the way that they shot it, like everything is super close up. You know, almost that kind of that, that Michael Mann close up almost where it's like yeah. everything is like in the screen yeah, sort of thing. And he's good, just take. he's so he's so vicious without being violent. <laughs> You've obviously seen It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I, I have seen a couple seasons. I haven't seen the um, I haven't seen like the whole thing, the whole bulk of it. Yeah, okay. yeah. I think it's still actually going. I think I think it is. I think, I think it, it still, still is. Going. Now, I'm a big fan of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. I've, I've seen, I would probably say 75% of it. The later seasons are the ones I haven't seen. Yeah, same. I've seen the, the large bulk of it. And what's, I think, really interesting, so he plays a character called Dennis in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He's supposed to be a sociopath, isn't he? Yeah, and I, and I think what's interesting is his performance in Blackberry, he's, there's something He's very good at playing somebody who seems almost psychotic yeah, or um, sociopathic because he's very good at almost like disengaging his eyes oh, where it's yeah. almost like he's, he, it's impossible to tell what he's thinking. He's like a walking statue at points. And I think that you can see that in this performance Yeah, in, in a way those two characters feel directly related. I think it's, it's like there's like an untapped anger and an untapped um, disregard for anybody else other than themselves. His character is very much like that in, in It's Always Sunny. So I feel like this is a culmination of him being really good at playing that kind of a role. Yeah. And that's maybe why he was cast, because he is sensational in this movie. He really is. And yeah. He basically steals the movie. He does. He steals every single scene he's in with ease, completely. But there's, this is just, I'm going to read this out real quick. For anybody who's a It's Always Sunny and Philadelphia fan, my favorite episode ever is an episode called The Dennis System, where Dennis basically breaks down to the rest of the gang how he goes about dating women and in, in, in his system for dating women because he's a total narcissistic sociopath. Yeah. <laughs> and it's called The Dennis System. So obviously D stands for something, E stands for something, yeah, and, yeah. and so on and so forth. 
Uh, but I'll read out the dentist system because it's really funny and it's, uh, it's my favorite episode. <laughs> um, so the first step in the dentist system is demonstrate value uh, to your romantic partner. The next step is engage physically. Uh-huh. The next step after that is nurture dependence. And then after that, it's neglect emotionally. <laughs> then it's inspire hope. And then it's separate entirely. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so fucking funny because he, he basically, you see him with this woman who he's dating and, he, and, he, and you see him go through all of the steps yeah. of what he does and he's such a piece of shit. It's <laughs> hilarious. It's just a shout out for anybody who knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. But Glenn Howerton, the actor, after the success of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. Danny DeVito already a movie star. Yeah. But the, the Charlie Day obviously went on to do Pacific Rim. He just recently had a movie come out. Yeah. I forgot what it was called. I don't think anybody saw no, it. No, <laughs> but like John Malkovich is in it. It's got like a crazy cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess it was one of those ones where it was like swept under the rug. And I don't think it reviewed uh, too strongly. The female actress who, um, who plays D in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, she is married in real life to Rob McElhenney. Yeah. Their husband and wife in real life. She had a show called The Mick on FX, which was pretty fun, like a sitcom, situational comedy kind of oh, si- okay. thing that was pretty good. And then Rob McElhenney, he branched off and he had that Apple TV show about the video game developers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot yeah. what it was called, but you know what I'm talking about? Mythic Quest? Mythic Quest, yeah. It's like a, a Blizzard type thing where they yeah. make like some online role-playing game. So he, and then he also has an Apple, t- I think it's Apple TV season with, Ryan Reynolds, because they co-bought an English soccer team, yeah, like a low division soccer team, and it's about them. It's like a fly on the wall type thing, which I've never seen. Yeah, it doesn't really sound very appealing to me either. I mean, yeah, I'm not into soccer, so I wouldn't even know where what I'm looking at, sort of thing. But then with Glenn Howerton, I feel like I haven't seen him in anything. I feel like, but it turns out he has been in quite a few things. So must love dogs. The John Cusack romantic oh, comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a bit role in that. Serenity, which I take it is the Firefly follow-up movie. Oh, yeah. I don't know what he I, played in I haven't in seen that. that since it came out, yeah. so I don't know. Crank. He's a, he plays a doctor in Crank, the okay. Jason Statham movie. Then I'm going to go down and see if I can... Crank 2, high voltage. <laughs> <laughs> Everything Must Go, which I think is like a... Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell midlife crisis, mm-hmm. man going through mm-hmm. a midlife crisis movie. Then The Hunt from 2020, oh, which is the movie that came out during the pandemic. I did which not see that. It yeah, got yeah, pushed yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like they're hunting humans for yeah. sport, whatever. Yeah. It's, it's pretty fun. Yeah. Kind of nothing after that. Till Blackberry in 2023. And then 2023's in Fool's Paradise, which is Charlie Day's movie. Okay, that's what so it was. So he has yeah. a bit part in that. Okay. I really hope in the light of this performance, we start getting them serious dramatic roles Yeah, for him. Yeah, I really hope he starts pushing out and doing more movies because I think he's a real, real talent. He was a beast in this. I mean, I loved his performance so much in in this movie that, like, I'm on my don't watch movies more than twice in a year, and I was like happy to watch this again. Yeah, I was actually you know? shocked because I thought when we we were suggested for the episode. I just assumed I was just going to watch it at home. Yeah. But you were like, yeah, come down, we'll watch it. And I was like, bloody hell. You must really <laughs> like it. You text me though. It's, it's another one of these epic Eric texts. Oh, well, I mentioned it on the last episode, didn't I? Where it was, um, you said, and also Blackberry is one of the best movies. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Seen it yet. <laughs> so, I, which is funny too, because 
I wouldn't say it's a comedy. It's listed as a comedy, but I think it's it's a comic drama. Yeah, comedic yeah. drama. Yeah, yeah, it is. I think what makes it a drama, it, what makes it a drama, or kind of shifts it in that way, which it kind of shifts more about halfway through and later on. Early on, you you get this. Everybody is very much childish, like that, like that whole team and stuff yeah. like that. They're they're just they're like young men, you know. They're 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 essentially boys, you know, and they're just having fun, and you know they don't want to get real jobs, and they're just they're good at this at this one thing, and then it shifts, and what kind of turns it into cleverly into a drama is the tone. And the music of it. There's music throughout the entire thing, but there's this kind of uneasy tone yes. that carries so through the, the score. Yeah, the, the score is excellent. That carries through the through the movie. And when they start changing physically, like uh, uh the Lazarus, what's his name, Jay, Jay Barishel's character. Barishel here, yeah, he yep. he starts to kind of change physically, and there's a there's this dark tone that happens. And his uh, uh, Matt Johnson, who's who's the director, and he also plays his um, his friend in it, kind of stays the same. You know, he kind of like is trying to hold on yeah. to that uh-huh. to that innocence of their friendship and the innocence of how they started the company and stuff like that. When that all changes, you you kind of you get this darkness that that kind of runs through it, and that's the drama of it. It's so funny. And then uh, Glenn Howerton, throughout the entire movie, when he just loses it at, at a drop of the hat, is <laughs> so hilarious. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the comedy comes from him, specifically. Yeah. yeah. The Matt Johnson's character, who he has very strong Andy Samberg energy. Yeah. And also... He's Canadian too, isn't he, Sandberg? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm anyway, not sure. that I don't even know if Matt Johnson's Canadian. He must be. Uh, yeah, he is. Yeah, okay. So, but those characters, there's, it's, there's comedic elements to it, but it, the laughs for me came specifically from Houghton. Yeah. His character. That's, I, that's where all the gold is in the movie, I think. And it's interesting. So I was thinking when I was watching it, there's been a push for a lot of these not a lot, but it's definitely an upcoming trend, I think, in movies. The tech biography kind of, or, you know, social network, yeah. the Jobs movie. Well, there, this. Yeah, there's this, there's this weird trend going on right now where it's like products that we know about, they're making yes, a movie. Air. Air. Yeah. Tetris. Tetris. Yeah, which I still want to watch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which I hear is good. Yeah. It's, it, there's like all this. And, and it. If you if you said it to me without me seeing a trailer or anything like that, you'd be oh, like, "No, I'm not yeah, watching this show." Yeah, hundred percent. I would be like, oh, "Why would I want to watch a movie about a cell phone? That's so. That sounds so dumb." But it's one of the most compelling movies that I've watched. Exactly, this and year. I think they've realized they can mine this kind of stuff for because I know the there's a very famous book called The Console Wars, and it's about Nintendo and Sega when Nintendo released the Nintendo Entertainment System in America, and Sega released the Sega Genesis or what have you, and it was like their competition for dominance in America, and ultimately Sega ended up folding because they couldn't compete with Nintendo. There's a famous book about it called Console Wars, and I think that's option for a movie now. Yeah. So that makes perfect sense because it would fit right in this wheelhouse of movies. And what's funny is, I guess you would put the gold standard being Social Network, Fincher. I mean, it's the gold standard. Trent Reznor soundtrack. And I think, but to compare this to a movie that in its peer group right now. Yeah. I watched Air in theaters a few months back. Oh, I still haven't seen it. Okay. Well, Air's very good. I, I liked it. It's very enjoyable. It's 
has a lot of parallels to this. So it's period piece that go, moves through time just like this does. Not as much of a time frame, obviously, because it's more focused in the, the, the period of time when they were trying to sign Michael Jordan to Nike. But it has an ensemble cast just like this does. I will say Air has a stellar Matt Damon performance. Okay. Where you're like, oh God, yeah, Matt Damon is really good. I'm going to have to, I'm going to watch that tonight. Matt Damon is exceptional in that movie. He's very, very, and it's nice seeing him like, you know, really firing again. Cause he, I mean, I love Matt Damon, but he's kind of been in the wilderness for a few years. Yeah. I mean, other than like bit parts in, well, I mean, there's the Martian and, and, but he's, he's great in, in Stellar too. But in terms of like, he's kind of been taken aback. It's nice to see him really chew on something and he's really good in that. And, um, What's his face is really good in it too. From Arrested, uh, Jason Bateman. Bateman. He Bateman's good in everything. Yeah, like he's and it's the perfect. Daniel and I were talking about Air, and Daniel said it's the perfect use of Bateman, and it is because he's really good in it. But it's the it's just like it, they use him exactly for what he should be doing. It's like he's born to play those kind of characters. He has great timing. Oh, he's what, yeah, incredible timing. He's yeah. such a good actor. But yeah, huge recommend for air for you, Eric, and for the listeners. Yeah. But to compare these these two, obviously this ensemble casts are the same, and it has needle drop songs from the period, just like this does. Oh, really? But what's nice about Blackberry is because it it moves from nineteen ninety five, ninety six through to two thousand twelve ultimately, but mainly to it mainly ninety six to two thousand eight, give or take. The music changes with the 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 period of time, which I thought was really nice touch on this. And because it covers a bigger gap of time, they can push the soundtrack out a bit more. But it's very similar. Air does something very similar with the soundtrack. But what, what stands this part from Air is the, the scores excellent in Blackberry. I also like some of the choices that they pick. There's some of the needle drops that they picked with Blackberry too. Yeah. It's not your standard fare, although you get the standard fare of the Joy Division song. I don't want to say I hate it because I, I love this but anytime they throw like a like a Joy Division song in a movie, I'm like, oh, hey, you know, someone cares. Yeah, so, well, so yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. But I, but I'm like, why does it always have to be level tear us apart? I was like, their catalog, they have so many, you know, there's so many better songs that you could throw on there. But that's the one everyone knows. So it's fine, it's fine as long as they're still getting some love. But what's interesting is though, you can there's a so I'll give two examples. There is the opening credit song, which is uh, what connected by um, Justine Frischman's band, uh, Damon Albarn's girlfriend at the time, Britpop, Elastica. I was going to say Elastica. Yeah. Yeah, great yeah, song, yeah. great song. And lyrically, somehow a connect- connection is made, which is v- lyrically very fitting. And then like later on, I'm just thinking two examples that pop straight in my head. The um, Hello Operator, the, the White Stripes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. there seems to be more thought going into yeah. the songs rather than just being, this is a banger from the 80s. You know what I mean? It's the, or the, this the, is the popular song that, of, that was of out. The, of the, but then yeah. obviously they do have the strokes in. But what I think is interesting about Love Will Tear Us Apart is that's, we see Glenn Houghton's character pull up outside for a business meeting. And it's the first time we see him outside of his office environment. Yeah. And he's listening to Love Will Tear Us Apart, which I think is really so it's his character's choosing to listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> now, and I don't know what they're trying to say by that because I, that I think is interesting. Yeah. That you would, I, in a million years, but I think this character would be listening to Joy Division. Yeah. <laughs> so he wouldn't be though, would he? And, but I if he know. is, then it suggests that there's something really interesting to him. Yeah. Like a darkness to him or like, 
a a romantic side to him. There is a type of darkness to him, because, but it's not that kind of a darkness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, uh, and then I never considered Joy Division dark, but in, that's a that's a whole nother conversation. But the way that he kind of sets up his work environment anyway, with with like the masks and like all that sort of stuff, it's like it's very heavy. There's there's something about his character that is very heavy as an aura right not not him physically that's that's the thing like like he is the heavy of the movie but uh someone who plays even a better heavy and ironside yeah yeah, ironside who is physically a presence is is ironside in this so it's interesting that they they gave him kind of the the complexity of like the the music and then how he kind of decorates his work environment and even you even see him at home yeah the like, mask yeah, yeah when he's at home you don't see him with a partner right? no you don't see him with anybody it's always nope. just him yep and then he's always super focused in on what he's interested in and his environment is very dark it's not when you're seeing him at home or at the office it's not well lit there's yeah. nothing that's well lit about any environment that he is in it's always dark yeah, that's at. a really good take. You're right. His office is kind of dimly lit. And yeah, we, you, the, there's no hint of him having a girlfriend, being sexually active, in which you would assume somebody who is on a power trip, narcissistic, ego-fueled rampage that he's on would also be somebody who probably likes to Patrick Bateman-esque exactly. performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no sexuality to him either. Yeah. And But the, what's interesting about the level of Terrace Apart, though, is... It's period not correct either. No, it's not. If if that is too, what was that? 90? 90. Well, that, that was scene like was 96. 96, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. way too yeah. late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Level Terrace Part was 1980, came out in 1980. So, but if you think about it, then that's a choice to make that song for that character. Yeah. Because yeah. they're not just keeping up with the time. Because when the strokes come on, it's the period of time because they were in the 2000s. Yeah. When, yeah. You know? But, so there's a choice to have him have that song on, which I think is really interesting. It, that's, I, and I don't know why I'm fascinated by that, yeah, but I really yeah, am fascinated yeah, by yeah. that. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, because usually you get that mic drop on, on like, um, kind of like romantic teenage dramas. Yeah, or something I would see like them that, playing you know? Joy Division in, yeah, or they've something that they were trying to say that this person is sullen or introspective yeah. or this is an emotion. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. um, I, th- I agree with you, though, about Joy Division. In terms of like, I think they're mislabeled. I think because of the name, which is obviously a, a great name, but it's also a very dark subject matter for the name. But also, I, in Curtis himself, his life, ultimately how his life ended was dark, but I don't think they're a dark band. No, they're not. No, yeah, not yeah. really. I yeah, don't think they are. Yeah. I think they're when a I When band, I hear their music, I, I don't think. No. It's not dark to me. There's, some, there's something that they use with their, their melodies in their in their music that appeals to me yeah for sure i mean they're just exceptional yeah exceptional um we we should do an episode on control at some point we've talked about it i even drew artwork for an episode for control did we yeah because we we were talking about rewatching it and we both rewatched it this is a couple of years back now was it yeah, yeah this is early on i mean i'd like to do a double feature with that 24-hour party people that'd be good yeah and then there's a really good uh documentary that uh, i i don't remember the name right now but uh, they interview like all the 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 players and i think um bernard and 
Yeah, yeah, and, and Hooky, and and um, I think even uh, Tony. Uh, yes, the uh, I I just keep I think of him as Steve Coogan. Yeah, 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 you know, I always <laughs> will think of him as Steve Coogan. But yes, yeah, he's in yeah. there too. Mm-hmm. Control is a wonderful movie. Yeah, big big recommend. Uh, yeah, let's do an episode on that coming up. I think it'll be fun as shit. Um, we should do a double feature that in twenty four hour party people. We might lose some listeners if you're not into like <laughs> British. Uh, <laughs> Pop the, music. The, the Manchester scene. Yeah, the Manchester scene, yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Anyway, to go up to circle back, yeah, great use of music in this from top to bottom. I think what we're going to do is, before we go, because we're going to start talking spoilers, it's yeah, inevitable, yeah, yeah. so let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get into spoilers for Blackberry. And we're back. We didn't take a break. We just kind of sat on the couch for a bit. You can do spoilers within your review of it, um, but I'm curious to hear about you, your take, because obviously you recommended this to me. So, hit me. I think... After watching it a second time and, and getting and getting a chance to kind of soak it in, like it didn't come out in theaters that long ago, so it's still kind of fresh. Um, but I didn't have this take initially when I watched it. I just really enjoyed it the first time I watched it. I just had a fun time. But this is to me, and it it kind of drops a hint on you if you pay attention to it because the the Matt Johnson character is very much in love with that that time period in those movies and. He's always quoting that time period of movies, right? And in the very first scene, when they're when they're all meeting together in that room, he was like, "Have do you know what the Force is?" Yeah. Meaning Star Wars, right? And I was like, "Oh, that's just kind of a fun little like thing that he throws out there because they're nerds, you know." And then that's what they would understand. And then uh, Glenn's character was like, "No, I don't know what you're talking about," sort of thing. So you have that kind of split. But the funny thing is. If you think about it, if you think about that quote when he says that, and then that group of people who is in that room, this movie is basically telling a Jedi story. It's t- it's telling Star Wars four through six, meaning Jay's character is is a Luke Skywalker ish character in the beginning, where he's kind of an innocent farm boy. Yeah. He's really smart. He's really technical. Naturally talented. Yeah, naturally talented. And then as the movie progresses, you see him get darker and darker okay. as he's influenced by the uh the glenn's character who is already just an evil sith lord basically yeah <laughs> i like that take yeah and then you see him progress throughout the whole movie and how he becomes darker and if you look at him like physically like his, the dark eyes like his eyes get darker his hair goes completely white because he's just like the life has been drained out drained of him. out of him i mean he was already gray to begin with as a young man and and i think if you go back and look at the real person he was like he he was like premature gray yeah sort mm-hmm. of thing but the the matt johnson character i think is more of kind of a han solo character like he's always like the buddy who's there for him he's trying to like run the show like like a solo would or something yeah. like that and trying to be the center of attention for everything but in the background, the real story is the corruption of innocence of of Jay's character and how it finally comes to the end, like at the very end, when after the SEC and like investigates them and it's all like coming coming crashing down pretty much. And when Jay's character is sitting there, he's like, This is this is what I'm doing to fix it. I'm giving them you and they get to, they get your board seat. You you're getting prosecuted. I'm I'm fine. And the company's fine, sort of thing. And he's and the 
Glenn's character's just looking at him and looking at him and he's trying to like figure out how he can get out of it. And then there's that point where he just kind of smiles like you've shifted all the way. You've become a predator. Yeah. Basically, you yeah. Be, you've become a Sith Lord, basically. Yeah, because there is like a recognition that he has. Yeah, but it's I, like, I hate that I'm making a Star Wars yeah. reference. But right think about there. it too. Luke Skywalker liked to repair things. He was repairing and tinkering with things, yeah. and he's good at fixing things. So was Anakin in the Star Wars movies. So yeah, there's, a, there's, there's quite a few parallels. But you're right about the movie references, because there's also, uh, was it Raiders of the Lost Ark? Raiders of the Lost Ark. They live. Uh, they live. Uh, Wall Street. Yes. Dune. Dune, yeah. There's a lot. Yeah, there's, they're pulling from a lot. Raiders of the Lost Ark, did you say that? Yeah. 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 So yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's, in, in a way. I do like their Star Wars take, though. That's pretty fun. <laughs> That's super fun. There is, and I was thinking to you, like, we mentioned the masks briefly. So on his wall in his first office and ultimately his second office as he becomes CEO of RIM or whatever it's called, he uh, has the masks everywhere, which is also kind of what they say about people who are sociopathic, like they wear a mask and you just, you can't read them. Yeah. Like, you, you know, and so... That's a nice touch. I'm, I might be a little on the head with that, but you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think no, it's a no, nice no, touch. No. Yeah, no, that, that makes total sense because his character is, one, his character is a predator and then he's, I, I imagine if you, if you do any research on any of those masks that were in there, they were like, some of them were like probably warrior gods or something like yeah, that. Yeah, for you sure. Know? Yeah. But also the thing that the whole through line of the movie is his obsession with hockey. Yes. Which we, is very which Canadian. Is, which is Canadian, but it's also kind of very subtle. If you don't, if you don't pick it up initially, it's in the beginning and it follows that character through the whole thing. And that is, I think that is one of the character's obsessions to owning his own hockey team because that's a status symbol for him. That's, that's like a way to convince himself that he has, he's like a master of his universe sort of thing. Yeah. Right. If he owns a hockey team, not only owns it, but brings it back to Canada sort of thing. But he's completely, and he, he's a completely obsessed with it. And anybody who kind of denies his obsession he almost goes out of his way to destroy them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's very fixated and focused yeah. on the one thing. Very much so. I think everything is a means to an end with this character. Yeah, definitely. Well, he just sees this as an opportunity, you yeah. know, in, in the predatory nature of that, you know, how he is essentially using them. But that's how business is. There's a really great line where he describes, forgot who it is, something robotics who buys the modems from R RIM yeah, initially yeah, yeah. and they, they make a, $40 million contract and then basically renege on the contract in a muscle them because they know that they're small. So when he comes in, the first thing he does is try to recoup some of that money. But before he does, Matt Johnson's character is warning Barishal saying, hey, he called them, you knew that they were, what they were, they were pirates, they were ripping us off. And then he goes, and then he's like, well, that's why I'm bringing him in. And he goes, well, you can't bring him in. He's, he's a shark. And he goes, well, yeah, because pirates are scared of sharks, <laughs> which I think is a really good line. Yeah. The, yeah. Actually, the writing's really good in this. Very really good. strong. Yeah. Uh, did he write it, Matt Johnson? I think so. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I believe so. Yeah. Very strong writing from top to bottom. I think initially when I was watching it, the very first scene, which is them going to pitch 
the idea for what would ultimately become the Blackberry to um, Houghton's character. At first, I was like, I don't know if I was just struggling to click with it because it's very, you know what it reminded me a lot of? Because it's shot like The Office, the TV show The oh, Office. Okay, yeah, yeah. It, visually, it looks a lot like that. Like yeah. the same kind of handheld camera, you know, fly on the wall type of aesthetic. So at first I was, I was bouncing off a little bit, but once the story started to unfold, then you know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah, I became yeah. immediately hooked on it. Aesthetically, I think it's great. I think it, 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 it looks like it should look, you know, and it, it functional. It, it's, it's not, it's not Kubrickian like the social network is yeah. like Finch's style filmmaking. It's, it's very, and it's not as to, to put it in comparison to air as very typically shot American style drama movie. It's, it's very unflashy. But I think this is a more of the documentary feel to it. Well, all his movie—I don't know if you've seen his other movies. No, uh, Johnson's, uh, the Dirties. No, which was his first one in Operation Avalanche. No, I've heard of that though. I, I saw that, and then uh, Blackberry. No, I don't know if, if he has done anything in between, if like television or anything like that. But uh, I've seen all three of them, and they all share the same camera style the same the same work they do yeah yeah, yeah. I, I like it a lot it, yeah. it, it, i think it's very fitting for this you know and i think it helps get you involved in it uh, at first it, yeah like i said it pushed back a little, a little bit against it but i greatly appreciate that style it's weird that it, it grabbed me because it is very procedural right yes it's very abc it's like by the books oh so like it's a biopic it's like a rise you, and fall yeah, yeah you've seen this yeah you've seen the rise and fall you've seen the You've seen all this before, but there is just something, there's a certain heft to it and the tone and the music and the, that stellar acting from Howerton, there's something about it that just like grabbed me right away. And I was just, I was on board right from the get. Uh, there, there wasn't a part that kind of lulled for me at all. The pacing's very good. I think that's why. The pacing, it, it's pretty breakneck. And it doesn't really... It's lean. Yeah. It's lean. And what's nice is it ignores a lot of stuff other than what pertains directly to the story. So we don't see any of these characters outside of the office or outside of uh, boardroom meetings. We occasionally see them in a restaurant eating. Exactly. Yeah. But we see Glenn at home. Glenn's char- Glenn yeah. Howard's character at home that one time. Yeah. And, it just, and that's it. Yeah, it's just in one room watching TV. and that there's No family, no else. friends, yeah, yeah, yeah. no back history other than what's slightly hinted at so we know that Barishal's character won some kind of award when he's younger for being an inventor because it's on a newspaper clipping next to his desk but yeah there's there's no backstory given to it at all and no fleshing out outside of what we need which is the the meat and potatoes you know like the the bare bones of, of, of what we're doing yeah what's what's kind of interesting in it is it when it's when it's going about it's giving you just the regular exposition that you would like that a layman would need to know about the reason why this event is important or why uh when they enter when they introduced the into in 2007 with the apple uh launch with the the famous steve jobs launch of of the iphone you're like oh yeah yeah, i kind of have an idea but they're also explaining a little bit of backstory in there which typically and when they're giving that kind of exposition dump. I'm like, oh, I don't want to, don't treat me like that. But for some reason, when they did that in this one, it just made sense. It, it made sense to me and it, it didn't, 
bother me in the way that other films that kind of do the same thing have bothered me in the past. Like it's just like I don't need all this information just to understand what's going on. They do that but they do it in such a way that I care about that information. Yeah, because I think it's dramatically paced. Yeah. So the specifically that scene with the the Steve Jobs iPhone launch, it hits at such a point where the movie's starting to crescendo towards that. And you know what's coming. Like you know the whole movie, I know it's going to happen. Because we, we all, whether you pay that much attention everybody's familiar with what happened. Yeah. You, don't, it want hits, it, yeah, you don't want it to happen, but you're like, yeah, it's, your your company's about to like go under, uh-huh. and it feels almost <laughs> yeah. cathartic because yeah. the movie's like winding up and winding up and getting tenser and tenser, and you know it's coming. So when it comes, there's a release from it because it spurs like the last the the end chapter of the movie. Yeah, but it's also it feels like a relief because you're like, yes, now we're finally getting to that point as the, as everything starts to get on on a scale more dramatic as it goes up and more serious in tone. Yeah, also the tone shifts slightly. But I think it's all paced very, very well. So I think that's why the exposition dumps like that. It's enough to be pertinent without it being unnecessary or pandering or like trying to keep you up to date or like, hey, just in case you you need to like catch up with us. Yeah. If it's all it's all the right amount of, of information at the right time. Because you wouldn't think that when they're going into boardrooms explaining how cell towers work or like or um, data works or or how phones communicate with something else. You, you wouldn't think that that would be intriguing at all. But but this is like, oh yeah, that's that's super interesting because of the way that they per, they portray it. What's crazy too is those moments are, for me, outside of the fireworks of Howard's performance where he loses it, outside of that, those are the, the parts that I was the most invested in because it was fascinating to me. You know, the notion of you could, like you said to me, I think we paused it briefly because I went to use the restroom, but you were like, yeah, at one point there was only 500,000 Blackberries in use. Or or something like that. Yeah. They only had a certain amount of service. It was like 250,000 or something. Yeah. yeah, Because they could only have that amount of active users on that network because it would, otherwise it was crippling. I never thought of it. To hear that is super interesting. Yeah, that that what also kind of made that that interesting too. It's like they they built the company, they got all the phones out that they needed to get. All the salespeople that were selling the phones basically put out all the all the phones onto the market, and now we're done with our job basically. So they're just showing up to work just to hang out. Yeah, because they've done everything that they have been capable of doing. They've reached that kind of that the the pinnacle of what they can do. So like the sales force guys are like, we're, we're just showing up to, to kind of hang out and joke around and stuff like that. We don't have to work. We've done all the work already. Yeah. Isn't that we, crazy? We can't sell anymore. Yeah. You're, you're paying us to just sit in a chair in an office basically. Which I think is fascinating because you don't even think about that part of the story. And it, yeah, I liked every time they were explaining, albeit briefly, the, the fact that okay, we have, this is the bandwidth that we have for this amount of users. So Verizon only can sell that many phones. Yeah. And it's really crazy nowadays when everybody has a cell phone to think of the fact that you could get a cell phone and just not be able to use it or they just wouldn't sell it because like we have, that's, that's all there is. 
whatever's out there is all there's going to be of the, yeah. this. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it's crazy. Because you think, think of everything it, as being yeah. an endless supply now, yeah. like an infinite supply. Yeah. And yeah, I thought it was fascinating the fact that they had to take, m- make a way to shrink that amount of data that it was using down, 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 down to get more, 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 more users. And it was also fascinating the switch where they mentioned when Houghton puts two two together with AT&T and he's like, they wanted Apple to make a power data hungry device because yeah. it allows them to stop thinking of it in terms of we're going to charge you per text and charge you per megabyte of data yeah. that you're using. Yeah. Yeah. So you design a phone, you have a phone that uses a ton of data and then you can be like, well, we have to charge you for this. Data. Yeah, we're we're out of the the minute business and we're in the data business. But yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Which because he said there's a great line, another great line, another great piece of writing where and I don't know if it, this is actually what was said on that phone yeah. call, but it was like that's the funny thing about minutes is oh, there's only one of them. Yeah, like you're only dealing in ones. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's yeah, it's really interesting. I never thought I'd be as invested. Yeah. in something like this that normally wouldn't interest me in a cell phone movie. <laughs> and I think that's a testament to the movie itself and, and the way it was shot and written with the dramatic dramatic tension of the performances that you could take like say for example if you were if we were to sit down and we were hanging out and you put a book down on the table and go oh this is the the, the story of the Blackberry telephone yeah. the likelihood of that I'm going to want to read that is <laughs> almost non-existent yeah now I probably would really enjoy it once I started reading it but to have that to have the movie be so successful in keeping me entertained and keeping me interested in that. It's a testament to the fact that you, no wonder they're starting to mine these stories now for content because there's nothing more interesting than real life. Yeah. And I, and I assume that those, those companies that made it, there's a certain amount of bloodshed that's left on the floor. Yes. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's collateral damage and all yeah. of these things. And who doesn't like a rise and fall story? We yeah. all like them, whether yeah. it's um, about a musician, whether it's like Goodfellas Casino or, you know, yeah. we all, I love them. Normally with those movies, though, I like the rise. And when it gets to the fall, that's the part, like first time I see it, it's fine. But second, if I rewatch it, the fall I'm usually less interested in because you know it's the downside. Yeah, the the thing about this is um it is it is the rise and fall of Blackberry. But I, I would I would add like a little caveat in there. When when these guys fell, or at least when everything came crashing down, they're still billionaires. Oh yeah, still super wealthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're they're okay. Yeah. Well they're, Matt Johnson who who leaves the company and sells his his stock at the peak of their stock. Yeah. It turns out that he's one of the richest men in the world quietly. Yeah. 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 I think one of the things was like, he's secretly one of the richest men in the world or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Which he can buy all the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle DVDs <laughs> he wants now. Have movie nights with his friends. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I did find him frustrating as a character. Yeah. But that's, that's um, one. I think you need that character because uh, Jay Baruchel's, in the beginning, at least, he needs that guy who has confidence or he needs a, a that, hype man, yeah. a hype man or a father figure or something like that because he doesn't have the, he's the brains, basically. He, he's not, he's not the, the pitch man or the salesman of yeah. the company. He's the, he's the guy who puts everything together and very, very well. He does it very well. He's at the top of his game on that level, but everything else like socially and like the everything else there he hasn't he hasn't kind of reached that uh glenn howerton position yet 
except when you get at the end, or at least that's the payoff that you get at the end. He's like, he basically switched roles with him in a way. In a way, yes. Yeah, yeah because he, he stopped. It stopped being, it, it became more about his ego than mm-hmm. his love of his craft. Yeah. You know, yeah. Because he seemed very, un, obviously, he was very in, uninterested in that. I think he also, I think his character, at least you would think, he also saw the end of his company too with that Apple launch. Yeah, because this whole thing with this whole outrage with the the keyboard doesn't click or uh, it's a silly idea, it's not going to catch on. That's him purely in denial. He knows that he's fucked yeah. at that point, but he's like grasping at straws, trying to justify yeah. the fact that he's he was just it, somebody came along with a better idea. Somebody always has a better idea. Somebody will always take something that you made and make something better out of it. You know, uh, which is like the nature of the 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 tech industry you know but yeah i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed the movie i probably if i'm just talking about movies that came out this year it would definitely be in my top three of the movies that came out this year so far that's why i'm putting it right now i mean i i keep saying it's early in the year but we're heading into july yeah we're like halfway through i mean we're gonna get some it's been a slow year we're gonna get some heavy drops within the next month or so and then probably later in the year We'll get some heavy drops, but it's really been slow. Like even summer movies. I, I, I don't think summer movies really start until Oppenheimer and Barbie come out in terms of like big, big. Are well, you, in, in are Indiana you Jones see Barbie? soon. No, I have no I, <laughs> I really have no interest in seeing that movie, if I'm being honest. Have I you don't. seen the trailer for it? Yeah. Oh. Okay. I thought it was like what I expected. I just don't have any interest in it. Same. Same. Not at all. I didn't have any interest in Oppenheimer, but I'm getting more interested in it as time goes on. I'm sure yeah. it's going to be great, but am I? How hyped am I for Oppenheimer? I'm still not that hyped for it. Yeah, it, we'll just have to wait on the day, and I don't know. It 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 could be, it could go either way for me, really. Yeah, what's your most hyped movie for this this year? Like w- Dune. I, that, I mean, it, that's going to make it j- this year. Just off the top, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I take that back. Maybe flowers, uh, Killer, like killers of the flower, flower moon. moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. would probably say that. Honestly, I think it's that. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of what else. See if I can. Nosferatu's not coming out this year, is it? No, no, I don't believe so. I haven't heard nothing about that since it was announced. Like nothing. I'm granted, I'm not on film Twitter, so I don't follow yeah. up with, with um. But like coming soon. I'm just going to, this is just off the AMC app, so we'll see what's coming oh, up. So yeah, yeah. in Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which I will watch just to use my AMC pass. Not even But I'm not interested, interested in, in Asteroid that. City, zero interest in seeing that. <laughs> you know where I stand on. Yeah. But everybody else is super excited about that. So I don't know. I'm looking forward to uh, Talk to Me. That might be like a one yeah. that flies under the radar. I'm kind of morbidly curious to see The Flash, just because I love Michael oh. Keaton, and I'm I don't know why it's, it. The whole thing with him is so fascinating that I'm I'm kind of interested in that. Um, let's have a look. Oh, you know, um, what 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 is it called? Uh, Zone of Interest. Oh yes, yeah. Did you hear that people walked out? No. Like people, uh, some one critic said it's the vilest film he's ever seen. No way. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah, no doubt we'll talk about that more when it comes uh, on the lead up to it coming out. I think No Hard Feelings, the Jennifer Lawrence comedy, looks fun. Yeah. Um. I like the trailer for that. Uh. Let's have a look. Talk to me. Yeah. Talk to me is the A twenty four one, isn't it? The yeah. Australian horror movie with yep. the seances or whatever. That looks fun. But A twenty four for me is a little hit and miss recently. Yeah. 
So I'm, I mean, I I think that I think past lives might make my top ten, possibly, because uh, that kind of that checks some boxes for me usually. You know, I want to see that real bad. Yeah, I think I think me and you. That's I think we have that. That's something I think would appeal to you and I. <laughs> Anyone whose favorite film is Pretty in Pink. I mean. Well, I think we both, I, and we, we we both put Chacha real smooth. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. we we're kind of suckers for like good romantic, yeah, content. Yeah, I think that I think that we are. I think the Turtles movie, the animated movie with that really cool art style, looks really good. Oh, I haven't seen. Oh, the trailer is great. Then we've got Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning is going to be. I'm going to be there. I still haven't. That. I couldn't even tell you the last Mission Impossible movie that I've seen, and. Don't you have to see some of them in order to understand what's yes. going on? Yeah, well, they no all idea. directly follow each other now. I have they have no done idea. Since, uh, that's Rogue like watch, that's like going back and watching the Marvel movies. Yeah, it's like and, I don't have the time to invest. The thing about the the Mission Impossible movie, uh, Mission Impossible movies is I like them from a craft standpoint. A lot of practical, a lot of real stunts. Beautiful, they're, they're beautifully made action movies. Are they great movies? Mm, no, but they're really, really well made action movies. So it's like the so I'm gonna I'm gonna see it. Sure. You know what I mean, regardless. Um then what else have we got coming up? So the Meg 2, bloody hell, what a bad year so far. <laughs> um The Equalizer Part 3 with Denzel Washington. What? what? Yeah, I know, right? What? It is slim picking. Yeah, I think there there's probably gonna be a handful of things that sneak in towards the towards the end, like after summer, but Nothing's real. There's only like a handful of things that are on my radar that I'm really kind of interested in. Well, I, obviously that's just going off. Yeah. AMC. I didn't bring a letterbox. Letterbox would probably be better. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I pulled up my letterbox um, watch list and I just, there was, there was a few on there a few, that, uh, yeah, that I saw. But yeah, slow. Yeah. Slow, slow. Yeah. Yeah. I think so far. I don't think it's, as, it hasn't been as good of a year as last year. I don't think no. it is going to be as good of a year as last year. Last year I had a lot of good movies, mm-hmm. like a lot. Yeah, I don't think this year is going to. Usually happen. by this time, my like top ten, I'm about halfway through. Yeah, I think I only have two movies on there. I think I have two so yeah. far, but no, I have three. But subject to change, and that would be yeah. Spider Verse. This well, I haven't Blackberry. seen Spider Verse, and and I hear that it's. That it's pretty incredible. Again, craft though. It's a movie that I like yeah. for craft more than anything else. But yeah, I would say I keep do you remember the band The Plot to Blow Up the Eiffel Tower? What? The the band The Plot to Blow Up the Eiffel Tower. No, no, no. A no. really great band, by the no. way. Like if you know, you know. A yeah. really, really great band. But every time I think of how to blow up a pipeline, I keep saying <laughs> it the plot to blow up a pipeline. Um but I would say that pipeline, Blackberry, and Spider Verse. Yeah. Three favorite movies I've seen this year in theaters. Yeah. Now something else just released this weekend. Sanctuary is getting very good reviews. Yeah. I I've seen that too, but it's just like, it's basically a play. It's just the, it those two. Like it. it looks like know? a stage play. So if you're with, with movies like that, I either have to be in a type of mood for it, you know? Yeah. I'm the same. But also it's curious too, because Quali having seen the last thing I saw her in was, Oh yeah, stars at the noon. Stars at noon, the Claire Denis movie, which we did an episode on. Oh, which is horror. So in her Not performance well. is like cilantro or whatever. It's like either it makes you grossed out when you have it, or you think it's great <laughs> because she is like very divisive. I think as an actress, yeah. Most people I 
I in within our circle that we talk, we talked to. She was great in Hollywood. I think she's great in Stars at Noon. I don't. <laughs> I know. I think she's great in that. I think her performance, she's really going for it. But when I saw the trailer for Sanctuary, I was like, is she, oof, like, like, is this going to, you know? But uh, Daniel saw Sanctuary. Oh, okay. And he, I don't want to speak for Daniel, but I think it's his favorite movie of the year so far. Oh, really? And he was going to go again. If he could have got in another screen, he was going to go and double up, watch mm. it twice in a day. So that's high praise from him. Yeah. But he's very contrary in Daniel. I hope you listen to um, this, by the way. <laughs> I don't know that I would seek it out in a theater. No, I'm not going to. I'm happy to watch it. I would be, yeah, I would be happy to watch it here. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. On demand. Yeah, I think that's probably I'm going to watch it. Um, But I do want to tie it in. We're heading towards the end of the episode. Yeah. And I do want to tie something in. Yeah, yeah, real quick before you, uh, going back to Oppenheimer real quick. So it's in in IMAX, and Mm -hmm. I know he is specifically something about 70 millimeter IMAX or whatever. We don't have that here, right? I mean, well, the IMAX well, we would see it's is advertised digital. as like IMAX with lasers. What does that even? Oh, mean? okay. So the laser thing. So it's the amount of lasers. So I think there's like a two laser and a three laser IMAX, and I think the laser matters more for three D. Oh, so for high frame rate three D. Mm-hmm. Um, now the Belcourt are showing Oppenheimer in thirty five millimeter. Okay, big deal because yeah. it's shot in seventy. Seventy, millimeter. yeah. So. And we do not have a projection screen in Nashville, to my knowledge, that can play 70 millimeter film. So when we, if we go and see Oppenheimer in IMAX, which we should, because I think like 90% of that movie shot in IMAX. Yeah. If we do go and see it, Hoy Fine Hoy, Nolan, very big IMAX guy. Mm-hmm. If we do see it, we should see it in IMAX specifically for the aspect ratio. Oh, okay. More, more so than Dolby, which is our usual preferred screen. Yeah. But we should see that in IMAX. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I was I just kind of curious about that because I, I don't think it makes too much of a difference oh, when okay. it comes to. I think uh, the 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 more modern ones with the laser are better quality in terms of. I think they have better contrast ratio, closer to what Dolby has. Oh, okay. Uh, with Dolby Vision, mm-hmm. um, I believe. But mainly, I think it's it. That was a big thing when trying to find the right screening of Avatar Two, because oh. Avatar Two is almost in, I think is entirely in IMAX. And then seeing it in IMAX and high frame rate for the 3D, you it was yeah I had to sift through trying to find which screen had IMAX and which IMAX actually had high frame rate. Oh. And I guess Dolby does a high frame rate now too. So that whole thing was a minefield, <laughs> you know. But back to what you were to circle say. back round, which I think is a nice way to end the episode, and to talk about Apple and to talk about technology. Yeah. I was editing the our episode that we did in Babylon and we were talking, yeah. me and you were going on a bit of a rant. We we're talking about like how cinema is going to evolve. Mm-hmm. And the, I actually say, to pat myself on my back here, I actually say at one point, I was like, I don't think cinema is going to change until we start getting to the point where we start strapping on goggles. Yeah. Have you seen Apple Vision? I haven't looked at the, I've seen like stills on YouTube about it but I haven't watched the presentation at all. You need to watch the presentation yeah. because it is bananas. Really? Now, the implications of the, the... And it's funny that because that, that keynote came out like two days after I edited the episode. And it's literally goggles that you can watch television on. So now I can't speak for the technology in terms of application for home office or browsing, whatever. But in terms of it, essentially will replace television. That's how I'm predicting it. Now, it won't remove television in terms of a communal experience. So 
unless you can sync up your goggle. But then you're sitting next to somebody. I don't know. I think that's too much of a. Is that border. how they're selling it? Like, like you can, uh, you could be watching a movie. Someone else could be watching, and you can turn your head and like, like virtually see that person. No, I, so this I don't, is how it works, right? So this yeah. is what's really yeah. clever. So the the goggles you strap around the head, they're completely light filtering, light blocking. Okay. So there's no light gets into them, but it's glass, right? So what you can do is when you look through, you can see other people, and they can see your eyes. But what it projects is it'll project your laptop screen or your TV screen in a room and you drag it with the corner and with your finger and it's hand gesture controlled so you can make the screen bigger and make it smaller. Now, if I'm sitting here in the house by myself and you're sitting over there and we're having a conversation, but I'm watching something while we're having a conversation, I don't know how it works in terms of, I don't think they've addressed it yet in terms of linking up content to watch things simultaneous oh. with two, two sets of goggles. Yeah. But in the keynote thing, in the presentation, they show like a woman sitting, working on a computer, looking up the web websites and stuff like that. And her daughter comes in, she's on the cell phone, she's having a chat with her because you can see your daughter in the room. Yeah. So you can see the room, but the, the screen is floating in the room in front of you, right? Which is very cool. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but check this out. And this is where I think it gets really fucking interesting for yeah. movie fans like us. So because it's totally life filtering, what you can also do is you dim the glasses. So basically what it does is it, rem- it blocks out the glass altogether. So all you see is screen, but because it's all in it, the two 4K screens essentially. I super was going to say, what's the resolution? Super high definition. I yeah. think it's even more than 4K. It's like 6K. It's Retina or whatever. Like yeah, really yeah. good. But what where this gets interesting from movie fans is you're sitting on your couch, you're watching it. You might be browsing the internet, and you go, "I'm going to watch this movie." So you click on the movie you want to watch, and then you darken the screen, right? Which is the equivalent of going to a darkened movie theater, except with no external light, right? But because it's a virtual, you the screen can go up to 150 foot. What? Yeah. So you can, and then what you can do is you can change your surroundings virtually. So you can either be in complete darkness watching a big screen, or you can change your location. So there's one way, like you, they're sitting on the surface of the moon. I think it looks like the surface <laughs> of the moon or by a lake. And you put the screen out on the lake. So you're sitting by the lake. And you're looking around and you see trees and it's darkness and you see stars in the sky. <laughs> but then the screen is right in front of you, but the screen is fucking massive. Yeah. And it's massive in 4K. And then the sound goes in and you're completely, completely immersed. Yeah. To a point way more than you would be in a theater. Because in your theater, you turn around and you can smell some guy fart next to you. You can smell <laughs> a, the Taco Bell that Chris yeah. sneaks in when we go to the movie theater. <laughs> the crinkle of the candy yeah. wrappers. So you, and all that you stuff. lose all of that. But. I think if it's as successful as I think it's going to be... Is Apple trying to kill the theaters? I think not only, but it could have potentially killed theaters. I think it kills television altogether because you can play your PlayStation through it. Oh, wow. Or Xbox. So oh. I think... I'm going to watch a presentation. Yeah, and it connect, you can connect it to your phone too or your laptop. So basically, what I think it just... I think it's killed television. But the only reason it won't is because of the communal... I mean, you just sat here and watched the movie together. Yeah. Now, until that becomes easy and less awkward of, of us both having those goggles. Isn't the price point like crazy too? Uh, $3,500, yeah. reassuringly expensive. Yeah. But everything Apple does is expensive. But, and I'm not going to lie to you, um, I started saving for it. <laughs> so I'm just going to put like 20 bucks aside on a paycheck and just start like slowly chipping away because when it comes out, I want to buy it. I'm going to be an early adopter for this. I think it'll be difficult to get. It'll probably sell out immediately, but... I'm definitely going to buy it because I think, I think it's going to be pretty incredible. 
That's my prediction. I mean, it sound it it sounds crazy. I don't. I mean, like I got. I'd say I got my iPhone. Like I didn't get the first one. I probably got it when it was eight generations in or yeah. something like I think, that. I think my you know? yeah. No, I had a, I iPhone. What I did. I had first that first that early adopter iPhone. I mean, that sounds crazy. One I can't imagine it is mm-hmm. is the thing. And I don't know. I don't know. I, you should watch it. And anybody listening at home, if you're still listening at this point, um, <laughs> check it out. If you're a movie fan, check it out. I'm urging movie fans, because you must be if you listen to the podcast, check it out. Because I'm telling you, telling you, it's going to be pretty special. And the reason I think I, this technology has already existed and other companies have things like this, like the Oculus. You can watch movies on Oculus and stuff like that. But this is Apple doing it. So it's yeah. going to be a seamless, high quality experience. I'm wondering what the pushback is going to be. You know how like uh, when stuff started streaming on Netflix and stuff like that, you know, Nolan and Scorsese and like everybody was like, no, no, no. I mean, what about the theater sort of thing? And and I, I wonder, I, I'm interested to hear the pushback on it. Well, we'll see. But I, yeah, watch it. And yeah. dear listener, watch it. And um. I think that about, but I just think it's a nice way to wrap up the episode. But was talking about technology yeah, yeah, yeah. with yeah. something that directly relates to Apple and also relates to movies, which relates to the podcast and relates to a previous episode that we had. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I mean, it does relate to the movie because you know this this thing could kill that thing, that thing, yeah, yeah just yeah. like the iPhone killed the BlackBerry. Yeah, yeah, interesting. We'll see. This time, like next year, I'll be an avid uh, <laughs> Apple Vision user. So we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> well, thanks, listener. Listener. <laughs> the solitary listener. Thanks, Tara. <laughs> I think it's maybe we already have two listeners. It's me when I when I post it to make sure it sounds good. And then Tara. No, I listen to. Yeah, Eric does. Yeah. Eric listens to the episodes that he's not on. Yeah, this this one I don't know if I'll get through because I keep my voice. But anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, we'll be back. Yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing it at my house. Yeah, it, yeah, this is the best way to do it. Yeah. It always was going to be the best way to do it. Take care of yourselves, and we will catch you next time. Yeah, this is where the vampires live. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>